calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Uh, you know, Rebel Radio is supported by Upside.com. If you travel for business like I do, man, I've been on the road. I was in Atlanta. Just the last month, I was in Atlanta, Mexico. I was in Napa, New York. I'm all over the place. And, uh, you know, anything that makes it easier or saves money is great. Upside.com does both. It's, you, you, you can find the best prices on flights, hotels, rental cars, the service is amazing. You can contact them through the app, the website, phone, email, really any, any way you want to get a hold of them is, is pretty easy. And the craziest thing is there's gift cards to places like Amazon.com every time you make a purchase of business travel through, through them, not just the first time or anything like that. If you use my code REBEL, um, you'll get a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com, which is pretty wild. So go to Upside.com, use the code REBEL, and there's a minimum purchase required. See the site for details. Hey, this is Justin. You're listening to my dad on Rebel Radio. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. And every week I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture and we find out how they do it. This is the only show that features new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. This week my guest is Corey McGuire. He's the founder of Winston House. If you're from LA and, you, and you're out and about, you might be familiar with Winston House. It's actually Corey's house in Venice. Um, and for the last couple years, he's been hosting private concerts in his living room. He's got up-and-coming artists. He's had some of the biggest artists in the world. You're going to hear some household names in this interview that have come through and do, done free shows where they asked to get on um, and just do their thing at Winston House. It's a really cool environment. And Corey talks about his approach to building a community and, and trying to really do something special for artists and for for the fans that want to discover new talent. He also kind of takes us through his bigger vision, where he's going with this, and, and how he's also, at the same time, trying to stay small and have a really intimate feel. It's a really cool uh, journey that Corey's on. I'm excited that we get to dig into it here. Let's do that right after our EDM.com track of the week. That ain't right. Oh, 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 she thinks I only want her for 
Yo, that was Aristo G with Only on Weekends, your EDM.com track of the week. That's on the Echelon label, part of the Echelon Collective. Get over to SoundCloud.com slash This Is Echelon for more great music like that. And right now, let's get into the interview with Corey McGuire. Thanks for doing this, man. I'm excited. You know, I told you already, I'm, I've been a fan since I kind of first stumbled on Winston House, and now I haven't been here a couple of times. Um, you know, I keep telling people how great it is, and I, I it's funny because it's one of those things, we're just talking about Coachella, but it's one of those things that, like, you can kind of describe it, but until you're there right. and experience it for yourself, you sort of don't get it, which, which I think is always a cool thing yeah. that uh, people have to kind of discover on their own. How uh, how do you describe it uh, to people? I'm I mean, I just say it's it's like a dude doing concerts out of his living room. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one way to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty on the nose. But you know, I I know it's kind of more than that. Like totally. Yeah. But but yeah, there, there's your night. So it's like a, <laughs> that's a very very. Uh, that's that's yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think the funny thing is that. Um, like truly, it was just concerts out of the living, out of our living room, like yeah. at the very beginning. Well, I've been afraid of changing, cause I, I built my life around you. Time makes you older, and children get older. I'm getting older. Oh, I'm getting older, too. Uh, I guess, like, the community and the brand is starting to take on more of a life of its own, and there's, in some ways, like, this, like, outsized perception of what it is, but uh, I think the reason for that is in some ways less about the shows, mm -hmm. um, but more about the fact that we have like a, a core group of people um, that are just really, really great people. Like, mm -hmm. And a lot of them are, you know, they're just at the beginning of their careers, but they're doing amazing things, we're working really hard, mm -hmm. and they're all friends together. Yeah. And that energy is uh, kind of the, the basis of all of it. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to talk about that and kind of how that happens. Um, but I want to start back kind of way before all that. And uh, talk about you a little bit. Yeah. Um, how'd you how'd you get into music? And do you remember the first record you ever bought? Mm. Well, I got into music because my parents forced me to play piano. Okay. That was like kind of my start with it. And how old I, was that? Probably like six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, six. I think I took lessons until I was fourteen. So I took I took okay. piano lessons for a long time. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I always I always tell people I'm not nearly as technically proficient as I should be for having done it for so long. But it's a long I, time ago. Well, yeah, but it was also I, I my piano teacher was really cool. Yeah. Um, in that one, I just like wasn't really into the whole like music theory thing and like uh, practicing the lessons, but she encouraged me to write a lot, and mm -hmm. so. Um, I think a lot of, like, my creative thinking or kind of, like, non-linear thinking comes from that. Mm. Um, it's, it's something that, I, I guess I attribute it to that largely because I, I read things and say, oh, yeah, if you can, like, do that, if you, music allows yeah. you to think this way. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah that sure. kind of makes sense. But I, Interesting. I, I've, I've no, like, I guess hard data to prove that. But I, I always say that, you know, my piano teacher and taking those lessons helped a lot. And then I... Yeah, but other than that, I actually don't remember that much music growing up. Like, my dad definitely liked his music. My mom's, like, in some ways not that into it. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, when she came and saw, like, you know, Ed Sheeran at the house, that was her first show at Winston House ever. She didn't know who he was. And so nice. uh, that's kind of my, my mom. But, uh, yeah. And then the first record, I think it was, I think it was, like, a when I was younger, like, a, a new, a, like, you know, the, the Christian band Newsboys? No. Yeah, I think I think I got one of their albums pretty early. Okay. I actually remember getting a Linkin Park record. That, Is that right? That I, I bought without permission, and I, <laughs> I, you know, said the F word, and I think my mom made me toss it at one yeah. point. Yeah. 
And then that's funny. But the one that I remember most like vividly going to the store and buying buying was actually in high school when I went to there's a, a chain called Fred Meyer in the Pacific mm. Northwest. I I went there. I think my mom literally drove me there, and I got Stadium Arcadium. Okay. And I had, I had already heard Danny California because I got it on iTunes before the album came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then so I skipped right past it when I got the record and put it in the car. And then the second track is that song Snow. Mm. That was like that amazing uh, like guitar riff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they did it again. That's <laughs> I, cool. I, I loved the Chili Peppers in high school. Like, yeah. Uh, Californication is probably like my most memorable music moment. Like the first time I ever heard Californication. Is that right? which was probably like 10 years after it came out. Yeah. Um, but I, when I heard that song, I was, that was like game changing for me. That's funny. So was that like, you, you sort of recognize that as like your music? Yeah, I mean, I think that I had a point in high school, literally my sophomore year of high school, um, my sister still jokes about it. I, I had like, 18 songs that were my favorite songs by the Chili Peppers and mm. it was the only CD allowed to be played in my car. No way. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, and I like I had this strong stance that it was the only good music in the world. I just would defend them um, against anything and anyone. And then... So that's so funny. Like, I mean, it's weird. I woke up this morning at like 5.30. Not on purpose. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and the first thought going through my head was like this trip I took to Europe when I was 18... And I had my Walkman, and I had, like, you know, you'd take a Walkman, and you could only bring so many cassettes with you, because right. you had to carry them. So I had, like, four cassettes on this month-long trip. You gotta choose carefully. Yeah. And I remember, like, and it's weird, like, one was this rapper, Def Jeff, who was, like, this guy from L.A. that nobody remembers, if you're not yeah into that thing. Like, he never, you know, crossed over or anything like that. And, uh, and then a couple others, but, like... Um, but I just thought like, what a weird thing. First of all, I, at that moment, I was thinking, what a weird tape to choose to bring, you know, and then, but also I was thinking about like, kind of what you're saying, like you had that time in your life where you're like, well, this is the only stuff I want to hear. sucks and it yeah. you know and then that changes and and all that but how much does that happen anymore i know you're you know through winston house you're in touch with tons of young music fans yeah. and 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 now we don't have that problem we can carry every song you know that's available digitally mm-hmm. you know at once uh i think that i'm still kind of the personality that it's like wrapped up on a song mm. like for example uh one of my friends uh Corey harper who been you know involved in winston since day one yeah um he's he has i i, I like all of his music and uh you know I, i've yeah i think he's gonna be really successful but it's funny he has these two songs that he hasn't put out um that he's going to but these two songs he hasn't put out mm-hmm. and my personality is still to be like I think I've listened to both of them like collectively a hundred times on iTunes. Wow. I can see the count. They're not on yeah. Spotify yet. Yeah. And so like I'll just I'll literally put it on like almost like repeat and just keep listening. And so I think that's like a little bit of my personality. Yeah. Um and I do hear a lot of music now. Like I'm exposed sure. to like so much music, but yeah. I still in some ways I'm not that uh adventurous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh I'm so I'm so busy kinda like the thing that I have. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the only music I can listen to uh, working as Bonnie Bear. Is that right? Yeah, for a year. So again, for a year straight, my f- sophomore year of college, I guess four years after the Chili Peppers. Yeah. Uh, when I first heard the album Before I'm a Forever Ago, I remember where I was sitting when I heard Skinny Love, and that was I just I used to listen to music when I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that, that album every single night. Really. Um. Truly, yeah. I don't know if we would miss a night. Yeah. Um, That's funny. And uh, and so. And then to this day, that's like the only music I can listen to that's like 
doesn't distract me while I'm working. Mm. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty safe with my musical choices, and I still okay. get pretty like kind of like aggressively into like the one thing. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not really a big playlist guy. Like I don't uh-huh. I don't follow any Spotify or Apple playlists or anything. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So, do you remember the first uh, live show you went to? I think the first one that counts was actually my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, and I didn't even see it at my... I grew up in Vancouver, Washington. Um, but I, I bought a ticket with two friends, and we flew to L.A. That was actually my first time ever coming wow. to L.A., I think. Yeah. And, it's a big uh, trip when you're in high school. Yeah, it was. It was a really big trip. Um, and we came down and saw Coldplay oh, on cool. the Viva La Vida tour. Nice. Um, have you seen Coldplay live? No. Yeah, it's... it's uh-huh. It's something, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's it is. They're one of those bands, obviously. Like, I mean, I guess it's very obvious because they're one of the biggest bands ever, probably. But mm-hmm. there's so many hit songs. Yeah. And they're yeah, like, Chris is like insane energy live, and so, and uh, that that was that was a very cool experience. But mm. yeah, like that. That's what I was saying. Like, music wasn't really like that. Um, sure. Thing I was exposed to in a way. Yeah. Um, but then you you got into business. Well, now you're in the business of. of creating, producing live shows. Right, um, yeah. And so how did that, but you were doing this before, you were doing that before Winston House, right? Yes and no. Um, so basically what happened is I went in college, I got uh, really passionate about nonprofit fundraising. Okay. And Any particular causes or just the... Uh, well, I watched a video uh, from the nonprofit Charity Water. Okay, um, yeah. So it's Scott Harrison. And so initially it was clean water and I liked clean water... I like the whole charity water thing. This, um, both because like from like a, it was so such a simple story and like so marketable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, then also yeah, it's like I like how they communicated like the size of the problem and like, but also like, how solvable it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think frankly, I just like I like Scott Harrison. Like I was I was joking around with people. I was like, yeah, this whole thing started because I wanted to be Scott Harrison. People have like their different like, aisles. I was like, that's the guy that like had a bunch of cool things happening and walked away from it to do something else to help others. Yeah. And, uh, that, that was really cool to me at the time. Um, still is, but uh, that was kind of a spark for me. And so, yeah, like basically getting excited about doing clean water projects and started having ideas about how to use, uh, like music, um, and art to get other young people involved in fundraising and raising awareness for those causes. Yeah. Um, and that was actually inspired by, in part by a festival and like, a kind of mix between like, a festival and crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So the, the the idea I had was I went around campus and got a bunch of students that are on campus that played music, and said, hey, I want to like you know support this cause and I want each of you to record a song, um, and basically give me an unreleased song. And oh, so, wow. so, some of these guys were just like, you know, my friends play guitar. Like yeah. it wasn't, and some of them sure. were like actual bands on campus. So we went into the, the there's a recording studio on campus, and literally, I, I met my first musician when we started this project. So I wasn't involved in this scene, but I mm-hmm. met like, uh, it was Gabriel Much and Caleb Talbert were the two first guys that are, um, and they're, I think, yeah, they're both still doing music in a variety okay. of ways up in Seattle, but uh, yeah. actually, Caleb just moved here, side note. But, uh, nice. So yeah, this this was in 2000, uh, two, 2012, and uh, yeah, the idea was to go get all these songs recorded with like 12 uh, uh, students on campus, mm-hmm. and then I kind of gathered all the songs, put up a website, and then printed out a bunch of flyers, and the idea was to have a 24-hour campaign going around to different students on campus saying, we're trying to raise $1,000 for this clean water project, here's the impact it's going to have. And uh, we've got all these songs recorded by your peers, but the only way you're going to hear them is if we collectively hit the $1,000 goal. Nice. So that was the concept. Yeah, the first one was $1,000, the next one was ten, and um, that's ultimately what kind of brought me down to L.A. and started getting into this world, and, like, um, we did... Well, it was, it was kind of random, because I had never really listened to music, but we did a campaign with the, the artist, uh, mm-hmm. Korn, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, is it... Jeremy Davis? Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you. Jonathan yeah. Davis. Um, yeah, Jonathan Davis, and it was for his son who has diabetes. Oh, wow. Um, we did a, this really, really cool campaign, and like literally the video is still on YouTube, and it was like a really touching video. And so I started doing campaigns like that where we got to help out some bigger artists, and you know, that one I think raised like 
you know, $104,000. Um, nice. And so it's still that idea of like, Corn had a unreleased song. Mm-hmm. We put some of the rewards on it. It's like the way to hear this song is to donate and help hit the goal, the fundraising goal of $100,000. Yeah. Um, and I realize now that's what I wanted to do. And I just, part of the reason that all of that led into Winston House is the realization of like, oh, actually, this is how I want to create a brand. But the thing that I wanted to be different around the nonprofit stuff we were doing in music is I wanted to create like a real brand that people loved and a, mm-hmm. a, kind of an intermediary, intermediary, uh, brand that were musicians who felt comfortable going through that brand to support causes, whether it was through tech solutions or it was like they felt proud to wear the shirt. Um, it was creating content and, yeah. and, uh, ultimately like, you know, I made, I feel like we made a lot of mistakes as we were trying to build that and fell short on a lot of things, but a lot of the ideas and lessons learned from that is kind of, I just like, all right, I'm dumping that into the next thing. So give me a key kind of mistake and then what'd you, what'd you change based on that? Yeah. So Oh, dude, we could talk for 10 hours about this, but I'd say that one really, really big one that had a direct impact on what Winston House is, at the beginning of, uh, that project was called Rally Song. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of Rally Song, the thing that was unique about us is that we were getting college students involved in causes, mm-hmm. and that we were doing it on a very kind of grassroots level. Even though it was online, we were doing it on a mm-hmm. grassroots level. And frankly, like I wanted to do bigger things faster yeah. and wanted to, I had these big ambitions like to do the largest crowdfunding campaign ever and all these ideas. And I realized part, a lot of that was kind of just like, um, ego and me wanting to like be cool. And frankly, I like, I skipped a bunch of steps, mm. um, and got to the point where I was, we kind of just became like a, even though we did like some cool campaigns, like that thing with Jonathan, we did one with Jack Johnson, did like mm-hmm. some things like that. I wasn't really building like like this uh, deep relationship or emotional tie between what I was doing as a brand with what they were doing. Yeah. And then also, you're kind of becoming a service provider to these artists, which mm-hmm. is a valuable thing, but it's not what made, what got me excited at the beginning. And so, and, and, and frankly, I was like, man, I looked back, if we had just stayed focused on getting college students involved in nonprofits mm-hmm. through our brand and kept making some our brands and the young people felt passionate about, mm-hmm. we would have been so powerful in what we were doing because we could have attracted the big acts and those things because we had something to offer, which was a young audience. Yeah. And yeah. so basically I was like, I think the lesson from that is like, it's like, yeah, like don't, don't, don't skip steps. Don't go too big. Don't change what you're doing to go big faster. Like stay true to like that core thing that made it special and unique at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what's house was that is like, how do I get young people involved in something positive? Like yeah. that's that idea is central to, to Winston house. What's up y'all? I'm very excited to tell you about a new sponsor for rebel radio. I've been a fan of audible.com for years. I probably have, I don't know, at least a hundred books in my library. Um, I'm into fiction. I'm into business books. I'm into self-help, personal development. That's most of my listening and audible.com has an incredible selection unmatched. Um, really any, any book that I've looked for, I've generally found that, uh, the last book I, I just finished listening to was called 10% happier by Dan Harris. He's an ABC evening news anchor. And he talked about discovering meditation after having a live panic attack on TV. It's a great story, kind of taught me a bit about meditation and just really entertaining. I I recommend that book. And I definitely recommend signing up for audible.com. I listen uh, when I go to the gym, I listen on on my way to work, on my commute. If I'm on a plane, you guys know I travel a lot. So I, I basically turn all that sitting around time into reading time, listening time, and it gives me the opportunity. I'll probably go through a book a week. Get over to audible.com slash rebel. There's a special offer for a 30-day free trial. You can discover audible.com for yourself. Definitely leave us a note and let us know what you're listening to. I'd love to hear that. And uh, make sure you make good use of it. Audible.com slash rebel. So tell me about the vision for Winston House and specifically, did that come together like, you know, all at once? Did you sit down over a weekend and map it all out or, or is it something that just sort of took shape over time? Yeah, it's, 
Definitely both. Okay. There, there's a lot of... Yeah, it, it's funny, man. There's it, it feels like one of those things like that it truly has been kind of 50-50, like so much like lucky things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so much serendipity. And then also like I clearly had like the thing that we're starting to become, we had thought about this and it was, uh, it was, I, I could describe it in a couple words and like, and I mean, and, and really simply the, <clears throat> the idea was like, you know, there's different communities and we'll call it real estate projects that exist out there for communities from So House and mm-hmm. Noy House to Summit Series. Yeah. Um, and I basically had this thing in my head where I was like, man, as, as more and more people uh, opt out of college, opt out of church, opt out of going to bars um, to meet people. And as they, they work freelance, and so mm-hmm. they're outside a corporate structure, mm-hmm. this physical space has more, uh, using physical space in new ways has more and more of a role to play in, mm-hmm. in society, specifically, I, th- I thought, like, creative industries. And yeah, so I'd seen the power of some of these other groups, but I, I saw, like, groups like Summit Series where they didn't have a strong local presence through real estate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And uh, I saw that, you know, groups like So House just don't have, um, like, the values. Uh, they, they don't have a set of values that right. I really align with. I like going to So House, but it's not, like, a brand that I'm, like, passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 by the way, those, those values are things like, like creating a sense of camaraderie and paying it forward and creating an environment that's for, like, kind of building people up and fostering creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had the idea to go and do that. And I actually didn't think it was going to be in this space. At the time, what is now Winston House was a place where I was living with a bunch of friends. We had been working on things like Rally Song and other projects and just mm-hmm. living here. Here in this. In this in this very house, yeah. yeah. And we actually we called it Winston House between our friends. But it wasn't like there was zero plan of it being like oh, really? a brand or a business yeah. or anything like that. It was just like I, I gave it the name. We had to set up an LLC to rent it, and I mm-hmm. called it Winston House because that was my dog's name growing up. <laughs> um, and uh, we, yes, yeah, so, and it was kind of so I had the idea and kind of something in that area where it's like, yeah, I want to be bigger than a Starbucks, smaller than a So House, and have like this community sense to it. Mm-hmm. My thought was I was gonna like either keep living here with a bunch of friends or just end the lease here. Yeah. go and raise money to actually do a commercial project and have like a membership based business. And so that was, that, that part was thought out. Okay. The part where it started to be kind of a happy accident was that, um, uh, Corey Harper, who I mentioned earlier, who at the time, this is summer of 2015, mm-hmm. he had been living in, uh, Eugene, Oregon, going to college. And he basically, he dropped out and his sister asked, called me and asked, Hey, can you help, help him out? And he's trying to get into music. They're family friends. You know, I grew up with them. Harper's mm-hmm. a really good friend. He's my little brother. Uh, I And I, I just, you know, literally, he actually came and slept in this room where we're doing this interview right now. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, there was no couches. It might have been carpet at that point. There was no paint on the walls. It was just like a white room. Um, and I think he slept with an air mattress in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what happened was I, I met, you know, I not met, but like my family friend came down. He was pursuing music. And then a couple of his friends came to hang out and kind of more and more musicians started coming through and like kind of a cool young crowd. Yeah. And we did the first, the first like five shows, I think were all Corey Harper playing just to help promote his music. And so the shows started going and then basically I followed all that momentum. I followed like this group of young people and I was like, okay, they're, they're cool. They're attracting the right kind of vibe into this space. And then February, 2016, we're like, okay. This is actually Winston House. This space is is, is Winston House. It's, we're going to do this thing here. So, was there a particular <laughs> moment that you realized that you, <clears throat> that you could do this for a living? Like that you had something special? Um, I think that I kind of go into everything like pretty naive, mm. and so I thought from. I thought from day one, before day one, that like this was gonna be the thing. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I thought I thought rally song was gonna be a thing before that, and mm-hmm. and like I said, you know, like learned hard lessons, and it wasn't the thing. And so I just and that and that was really really hard on me for a while, by the way, because I was like, <clears throat> even through twenty fifteen, when Winston House was getting going, I had like this like like chip on my shoulder and kind of like mental anguish of like this thing that I had felt so attached to, mm-hmm. and I had steered off course. Um, yeah. 
and uh, and so yeah, but I I, I was. I, I felt like it was gonna be the thing from day one and I, I didn't take a I didn't take a job or anything. I was just like finding a way to make it work. So I mean that's an interesting thing to kinda of realize about yourself that you that yeah. you that you tend to like think from the beginning. Right? And you call it naive. I think it's, you know, optimism. Yeah, but, na- naive optimism. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but I guess I wonder like for some people, you know, you have that feeling with Rally Song and it mm-hmm. doesn't work out. That might stop them from then doing the next thing. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you wouldn't, like, you could take the lesson from that. Well, then, that, like, that's not, <laughs> That's you know, not me. That's not yeah. me, right? Yeah. And so, why, why didn't, why didn't you? probably makes a bunch of stuff man like it's a it's part ego like a, I'm competitive I like care what think people think about me mm-hmm. um, I want to be I want to succeed at the things that I do yeah uh, it's part mission driven like I you know I went into something like rally saw me like I want to find a way to like help I want to be responsible for like a billion dollars being raised for important causes yeah and and I actually started to and I still have, uh, you know, ambitions on that same level, but I started to make it, I started to do less like number driven goals and more like people driven goals. And so, mm-hmm. and I think, so like that basically like saying like, oh yeah, here's like a mission I have for my life. Yeah. Um, made it possible for me to like kind of bounce back and say, okay, these are just the types of things I do. This is who I am yeah. on this planet. Yeah. Um, and that's, and again, that's part like, you know, like the... A symptom of being a millennial and having, uh, you know, the, the blessing of living like when you do now. Sure. I, I, I forget who the author was, but he said this thing like, uh, he's like every every millennial says like I want to change the world, but the problem is is they have this big capital I mm-hmm. at the beginning of it, right? Prefacing the, the actual change. Yeah. And that resonated with me from from some of the stuff I was doing because it was like, putting putting myself first. Uh-huh. Um, and I, and I, I truly think that again, there's still still have got like a lot of ego and the desire for me to be the person. But mm-hmm. uh, Winston House was an opportunity to kind of like switch that narrative and just be like like other people first, service yeah. oriented. So you say um, you you care what people think about you, which I think I can relate to. I think we all can. Yeah. Um, what do you want people to think about you? Yeah, I like. I want people to think that I I do things for a little bit different reasons than everyone else. Like frankly, like I, specifically in music, like I like that Winston House came from a spot of not saying, "Oh, we're gonna get into the music industry or mm-hmm. we're gonna get into entertainment." It was built on um, this like community and helping others first, and kind of kind of happened outside the industry. So yeah, like I I, I like being uh, like both perceived that way and spending my time in a different way where people like say like, Oh yeah, this is happening for a little bit different reasons. Um, I want people to think that I'm like thoughtful and a good listener. Like, uh, I've, I know that something that annoyed a lot of people when I first came down here is I was so confident and I thought my ideas mattered so much that I, uh, yeah, I was like kind of ready to shove them down people's throat, but now I'm a little more reserved and will I think I sit back and listen more. Um, and then, uh, ultimately, like I, I want to be known as like a winner too. I want to be known as someone that like has an idea mm-hmm. and uh, sees it through to fruition. Because I, one of my favorite, probably my favorite part about all this, like the people that I meet and on like an increasing level, I'm just like it's so cool that I'm going to meet this group of people yeah. and do things with them. And I want to do more of that. And I want to be the person that people know they can come to mm-hmm. to help make like their ideas happen or that they want to confide in about things. Yeah. And so. I like I like being that guy for sure. It's like, I guess like a trusted resource. Okay. What's the um? So how big is is the vision for Winston House? Because you know I know your sounds like your your personality is you want to do big things, and I know that um you know you're raising money and you're yeah there's you know at the same time you know right now there's there's one townhouse in Venice so right yeah how, how big is this gonna get? 
Well, I guess this comes back to the part where in my head it's been a bigger thing from from day one. And even like right now, like, um, I guess kind of the same thing you said, you know, you're like, oh yeah, like you, you, you came and you came here and then you left telling people about it. Mm-hmm. And every single day I get that from people. And so I know that the Winston House name, um, has spread. Yeah. And I think that's because the environment that we've created, if it was just a living room of music happening, that would not be happening. But yeah. I think there's an energy of like, um, like, I don't want to call it other than like kind of this like, like pay it forward mentality that's mm-hmm. been created uh, because of how it started from day one, like just like giving a couch. Because when I first came to LA, someone gave me a couch. Yeah. Welcome, Jasmine Thompson, everyone. just been passed on person to person to person to person and then evolved into the shows um, where it's like cool given opportunities other people have given me opportunity mm-hmm. and so I want to keep that idea core to what we do and have like a very service-based mentality and uh, I, yeah I, w- I want to create the most influential youth culture brand mm-hmm. in the world and I think the path to do that is is like service-based mm-hmm. and then finding like the right uh, the right I don't know what to call it, like mechanism to help grow it quickly. And so how we're going to be approaching that is we think the big opportunity is is content on Facebook. We think it's a way to keep helping artists because they need to uh, they need to get their stuff into the world. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter if you're a brand new artist or the biggest artist in the world. You have to do that in unique ways. You have to keep doing that. And and then, uh, you know, it's, it's also like a, a I guess a, there's like a, a business model there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I guess simply put, like, you know, like, I guess we, we didn't get into it, we kind of jumped it, but like Winston House is uh, a media business. Mm-hmm. And uh, the space that we see is that there's cord cutting is happening, young people aren't buying TVs. TV and content consumption are going to continue to go through the roof, especially with video yeah. over the next 10 years. Yeah. Advertisers are going to spend their money there. And I, I look at like the like the music space, and I was like, man, who's like the the new who's creating a new brand right now, in that world that's video and digital first. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and there's there's probably a few people trying to do it. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the space we're getting into. So I want to take like all the values, the lifestyle, the whole experience of what we've created here, the audience we've started to create here, take all that online. Mm-hmm. Um, and 10 years from now, you know, I want to be reaching millions, millions of people every single day um, with, like, educating, or I guess educational, inspiring, entertaining content. Hmm. And I want to use that business to continue to uh, finance or underwrite the ability to open up these spaces that we give away to the creative community. Oh, cool. And so that was that was the concept for Winston House. It's like, let's flip the sand on his head. We don't need a membership model mm-hmm. to fund these spaces. But if we can instead like help artists and return do things with them to grow a brand online and grow this this big thing, yeah. we'll keep using that business under right opening these spaces, and the spaces have business value in that they keep us involved in like real time culture and building real relationships on a grassroots level, building audience on a grassroots level, mm-hmm. but also just contribute real value to artists big and small because safe space is so important mm-hmm. um, and having a place where you can go on a consistent basis is important because there's just like, it's a, I mean, it's, it's an obvious thing. It's been, it's been passed down like through hundreds of years of uh, tradition through anything from again, churches to schools to corporations. Mm-hmm. Like there's these social constructs that are created that allow people to connect with other humans. Sure. And I just think like those, uh, the real problem we're solving at the core of this whole thing is like, cool, let's provide that space yeah. because no one else is. And, and that's like a necessity for humans to be able to connect to other humans in that kind of environment. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Again, it's so like counter, um, so I, you know, I could pick apart so many things you said that are like counter to what, to where the trends are going. Sure. Which I think is awesome that, you know, what, 
as you said, like this need exists because the trend is to move away from physical space, right? Whether it's in the workplace or in the, or in, you know, the churches or, or in uh, business, right? Mm -hmm. That as more business moves online, a physical space becomes maybe that much more valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of physical spaces are, are, uh, the, in, in the tension that they're being used are decreasing in value, right. which leads out these like space for other, uh, other, you know, physical locations to rise up. And I mean, there's, there's really like, obviously the biggest example out there is like a WeWork where, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they've really capitalized in a specific way on the whole absolutely. of the freelance, uh, culture. Um, and, and honestly, I think there's really a business there for someone that wants to come in and create more of like a paid membership model mm-hmm. around physical spaces that are smaller than a sew house and not like as um, elite to the creative industry as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, get involved in neighborhoods. So yeah. it's bigger than a Starbucks, smaller than a sew house and more kind of like community minded. Yeah. Um, and have some sort of a membership model. I think, I think there is something there still. It's just not what we're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah sure. So, you know, you mentioned this started you know, with, with friends and Corey and, and this very organic thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now you have, you've had Ed Sheeran, you've had, you know, ASAP Ferg, you've had a bunch of big acts. Yeah. Um, was there a point like that, how'd you make that jump and, we, and how do you do that and still preserve the kind of the essence of the community? We made the jump in February 2016 because, again, Corey Harper, the first artist to be a part of Winston House, had become friends with Justin Bieber, I think by way of Cody Simpson. Mm. And uh, I think Cody was actually living here at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so and Bieber basically came to hang out and liked hanging out and said, can I play? like kind of the there's like a lot of um buzz that came along with that i'm sure and uh so that that was a crossover moment so just Um, take a second on that because you know the traditional business mind is going to say well you know justin bieber makes a million dollars to play a show at you know dodger stadium or whatever right right? like if you're in his head why do you want to do this why do you want to play in a guy's living room for 100 people Man, I mean, I think so many reasons. Like, we always want what we don't have. Mm. Um, I think it's I think it's hard for someone like Justin to find a space where he's not being like fanboyed yeah. and where he can sing without pressure. Yeah. Um, because it really was just like a house party at that point. That mm-hmm. how to everyone it was just house party to me. I already had this bigger vision for it. Sure. And, but uh, so yeah, I, th- I think I think it was that. Um. I forget the quote that he that he said, but like I, I think he just was stoked that it was like, um, you know, all about like, yeah, it was like friends and music. He's like, and I, yeah, I forget what he said, but it was kind of just like, oh yeah, this is what it's all about. Like this is like the environment that I want. Um, so there's also something though. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but you didn't ask him to play. No, he asked you to play. That, and that's actually how I was going to answer your second question okay. about how you um, allowed a keep bringing big artists in and keep the thing that made it special the beginning intact Yeah, is uh, how people are brought in is important. Mm. Um, and so there's times where we've made, I'll say like compromises to get a certain name in and they've, they haven't come through the route of like um, either like wanting to be there mm-hmm. for the right reasons or their team wanting them to be there for the right reasons or a friend of theirs wanting to be there for the right reasons. There's yeah. a few examples of that, but right. A lot of the artists that have played have happened kind of more organically like that. Um, and so, yeah. and so I, I think that that's like an important thing. And um, in some ways, our Thursday night shows are becoming something they were never meant to be. And I started to realize that they kind of, we kind of need to let them do that in order to grow Winston House. Interesting. But I think the important thing is acknowledging that they're becoming something that's different than the original intent yeah. and creating programming 
at Winston now, so it was, it's that's still that that basically provides what that original what the shows used to provide. I mean, that's like that's such a huge, that's such a huge lesson, because I think every business, you know, I've I've owned you know, a couple businesses, and everyone I know that's that's owned businesses. Yeah, there are times when what you're doing becomes different than what it was before. Yeah. And I think that the natural response is to kind of like rationalize it. To kind of like either either not notice it. Right? Or to kind of say, Well, yeah, it's different, but and you can like write up a bunch of excuses mm-hmm. yeah. for why it makes sense. And and so what you just said that hey, you have to let it happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe in some cases you don't. But you have to decide in, in whether this, or not in this to case, let it happen. By the way, what is coming, what those shows are becoming is awesome. It's just different. And so, and we have to let it happen in order to sustain what we're doing too. So describe the difference. I would say the difference is that the, the shows are becoming, it's become such a, like a, a hyped thing that a lot of, so many people desire to come to. Sure. That some people do show up for different reasons other than that original intent. And it's more of kind of like an event and like a, a moment. Yeah. And, and, and there's still a lot of what was what happened before is where, you know, everyone comes in through a friend mm-hmm. and people are here hanging out, meeting people beforehand. So like that, that's still there, but yeah, it just, it just feels different because like the shows used to be like, it used to be a lot easier to know every person. Right. Um, and to be more involved in the lives of those people. That right. I think that's the big thing is that right. the shows early on, the shows like were kind of like almost like our version of Sunday church, but mm-hmm. you're not involved in the church if you're not involved in those people's lives right. uh, day in and day out. Yeah. And there's just a lot of people who come through and we're not involved in their lives in that sure. way. And so, so I always, I guess the last point I'll make is I always want the core of Winston House to be um, a, a small group of creatives. And small, by the way, can mean like a few thousand people at some point, mm-hmm. but a small group of creatives that we're finding ways to serve and support um and one of the ways I want to do that is through events so they can come to and meet like-minded people. Yeah. And we want to build up more ways that we support them for free. But, um, yeah, it's like the, the shows have become more of like an event and like a showcase type thing. So then what's the, so then you said you're, you're creating other things to kind of serve that need. So what, what kind of things? Uh, it's, it's things that can exist without the pressure of, uh, like event production and needing to deliver. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's like just inviting people over and hanging out mm-hmm. and putting in the work to get a lot of those people over yeah. and not just me like, Hey, like a couple buddies are playing video games. Right. So it's more than that. But yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's creating an environment where there's not the, the pressure and like that excitement around the moment. It's just like, yeah, friends, friends hanging out and providing that on a weekly basis. The consistency is the really important part because yeah, that's great. I, I think that LA is a very isolating mm-hmm. uh, city. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy, like as a young creative to not have much money, being like you're sleeping on a friend's couch or being in like some apartment, and literally like where would you go to meet other folks? And so like we're and we're we're only helping like a very small percentage of those people. And my whole thing has been that like that's that's fine like a really creative and talented and kind of unique group of those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully by investing in them, they'll pay it forward. It'll be spread. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you still live here. Yeah. And you got people crashing here from time to time, whatever, or all the time. Yeah, you probably woke someone up by talking. <laughs> um, what's the downside of doing this uh, out of your own house? Uh, downsides... Well, first off, this is an amazing, like, thing to be a part of and to live at. And so, like, there's there's definitely, like, it's a little, it's a very absurd existence in some ways to, to live in yeah. Winston House with the amount of people that come through, the fact that we do the shows that we do, yeah. the fact that, like, we're, people are coming through that I, like, you know, only would have dreamed of meeting. Um, it's funny, when you say it that way, like, I don't think of it as Soho House, I think of it as Playboy Mansion. Right, and there's... There's, I don't know, and I guess in these kind of talks, I always try to use analogies that, like, help or make sense. I never mention, like, Sew House or Playboy or anything like that in any of our marketing. Like, sure. I, I like that right now, 
even though we have this idea for future houses or future like bigger spaces, I like the right now that it's it's my house and my friends. We don't have members. We have we have our friends. Yeah. And we have like community people that we're we're helping out. And so, yeah. So like, there's so many awesome things about it. And I'd say the downsides for me have been, um, you know, there, there's like the obvious small things where like someone will start playing guitar at two a.m. and not thinking like, oh, there's someone to sleep upstairs, right. um, or start playing drums or something. Yeah. There's small things that have been like frustrating. I feel like it's probably like having kids in some way. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, of um, but, uh, actually it's for sure. Like, cause I remember like growing up where I would like be like watching TV too. And my dad was like, what are you doing? Like the TV's heard through the whole house. Like, yeah. turn, turn that off. Yeah. Um, so there's small things. I think the hardest part about all of it, um, I'll say two things with this, you know, there's an eight month span where like I was, we were just literally getting by every month to like pay the rent. We didn't yeah. have like an, an actual investor and partner yet, you know, that changed when the group of shareability got involved. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there was an eight month span there where I was just like waking up with horrible anxiety every day. And honestly, I still, I still have some of like the, some of that like with me from that period of time. It was just like yeah. very, very stressful. I cared about keeping this thing going so much, but didn't, I felt pretty powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of ironic to have created this like community space and then feeling like very isolated and, yeah. and stressed yeah. because of it. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was, that was one. And the other, I think I'd say is that it's weird. I'm a space that's both my house and my brand and this brand that thrives off of curation too. Mm-hmm. And I, so I actually walk around a lot of times. It, this has been more in the past. We've kind of transitioned past this now as I've been able to hire and create some more, like I guess like a different way of approaching what we do, but for I was actually I would I went through this period of time where I I walk around like Venice or LA where if I brought up Winston House, someone in the circle would know it and they would immediately say I want to come. Yeah, which which is amazing by the way. That's that's really really cool to have that. Yeah, but it's also like I get overwhelmed by the amount of people want to come. I still handle invites like through myself. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, it was kind of a weird feeling of like walking around and not wanting to like invite people to my house, <laughs> and not wanting well, to talk sure. about it. Yeah, I mean the reality is right. Only so many people are going to fit in here, and, and that, that, that's to, all it is. Yeah. Right. And so we 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 started with an everyone's welcome mentality, uh-huh. um, and that that still still exists. But then yeah, there's there's four walls. Yeah, and, there's realities. Um, sure. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. Yo, if you're feeling this um, uh, media mogul in the making type of story, uh, you might want to check out back in the Rebel Radio archives. Uh, last year, I talked to DJ Ski, who's the founder of Dash Radio. Um, if you didn't know, Rebel Radio is also featured weekly on Dash Radio. You can get over to dashradio.com, check out their many, many channels, mix shows, all different DJs, there's talk radio, there's everything uh, everything you might like, including Rebel Radio. And uh, Ski gives us some great lessons on how he's building his empire. Good stuff there uh, after you finish this one, of course. So, you know, you mentioned some of the challenges. What is there something you do uh, to protect your own mental health? Yeah. Um, I'd say that they happen in phases, but like, um, playing games helps me a lot. And by, by the way, like what I mean by that is like going, kicking a soccer ball. Mm. Like, uh, Harper actually got in his new spot down the street has FIFA, which uh-huh. I used to play way too much FIFA in college <laughs> and literally like going over there playing like a couple games of FIFA at night has been okay. game changing for me. Yeah. Um, leaving Venice, like, for, for Malibu. I feel like mm. that's, like, a pretty stereotypical L.A. move now. But, uh, yeah, I go up to Malibu to our friend's yeah. house up there and, like, just get away. Um, yeah, I'd say those those kind of things. And, and also, I'd say just, like, maybe the most important thing out of has less about what happens away from the work and more what happens with the work mm. is just bringing, like, an incredible level of focus to the work yeah. and being really clear about the things that I want to accomplish because yeah. if I do that... I don't really worry about the rest of the stuff, then my sanity is way better. But if I'm like worried about all the stuff that's happening, all the things you need to get done, I'm not organized. Yeah. That's when things like, it's not fun and it's like yeah. stressful. Absolutely. All right. Before we wrap up, I have like a little lightning round. Cool. That uh, I want to go through. 
Um, so what are you most excited about in life right now? Growth. Yeah, 100%. Like, I yeah. want, you know, we're wrapping up this investment round, and I'm excited about almost for the first time it's like being really aggressively focused on growth i think i understand our brand and where we can create value and uh yeah i want to kind of take a take a swing and like turn it into a big thing as quickly as possible yeah what one decision comes to mind that changed your life forever uh when i was i i put five thousand dollars on a credit card to go to Summit Series mm. based on an introduction from John Richards at KXP Radio to Jeff Rosenthal, the founder of Summit. Yeah. After graduating college, I didn't have the money, but I put the money on my credit card. I went to Summit outside, went from being a college student that know, knew nobody to like having my mind blown by like, oh, there's all these like smart people doing things. Yeah. And was fortunate to have a few of them kind of take me under their wing. Andrea Lake, Ryan Bethay. And literally, Andrew Lake, the first night, sent a text to a guy named Sam Salisbury, uh, who was down in L.A. And at that point, I still didn't really, I knew nobody. And Sam's like, because of how like positive he is, he just knows so many folks. He was artist relations at Bandpage, knew people in music. Cool. A week after Summit Outside, I took a one-way flight to L.A. I was living in Seattle at the time. And uh, that was the, the beginning of me coming down here. Mm. And that was the most important decision because... I feel like it kind of was like the first step in me, like, like becoming a man outside yeah. of the protection of like college and my family. And, uh, and so, yeah, like taking that risk and coming down here and I, I love all of, uh, I have so many amazing friends in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. but for like what I want to do, I have to be down here, you know? Yeah. And so there's all the people that I want to be doing that stuff with are here. And so that was, that was a crucial decision to like, like, put that money on a credit card and not, not worry about that side of it. And Nice. Um, yeah, so I'd say that one. That's awesome. Um, hey, so complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Friends. It's <laughs> good. Talented, what? talented friends. Okay. Well, what, what's, what's the quote by the guy? Uh, um, he, he says, like, if you, like, it's it's basically just talking about how it's hard to find like talented people or find stars. But like if he's like if you like walk slowly enough and are like, you know like really patient, you you might just stumble into one. Oh um, yeah, I I, I I I probably just butchered the quote. Um, but uh, it, was, it was something along the lines cool of like, idea. yeah, like I feel like I have so many insanely talented people around me, and I and I like to take the role of like almost like a I'm not, I'm not a music manager, but like kind of yeah. thinking like a manager is like how do I help like push these people and develop them in what they're doing yeah um and so yeah I'd, I'd say like talented friends um and like kind of giving a damn about what happens to them is uh, is, is the best thing that's great what talent or skill have, have you always wished you had more of I wish that I was great at skateboarding. Okay. <laughs> yeah, skateboarding. That's appropriate for living in Venice. Yeah, skateboarding and soccer to me are like my two favorite sports. They okay. are so like beautiful to watch and like skateboarding is just like the coolest thing. Yeah. And I'm around incredible skaters all yeah, the time. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I'd say skateboarding. So if I worked for Winston House, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Give me coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think 100% the thing that people hear me say is, uh, like, like we're here to support artists. Yeah. Like, uh, um, and it's, it's such a simple thing, and you hear so many people say, like, you know, we're here to support. But it's like, a, I don't know, like, I, I think I read something even recently, like, with uh, Sarah Newkirk from from uh, WME, where she just, she's like, yeah, the most important thing to remind our team is, like, we're in the service industry. Mm-hmm. We're here to support. And mm-hmm. I think that's a... Uh, a really good mentality and I actually learned it from a friend in Portland uh, who had an agency up there where they're a creative agency but his whole thing is like we're in the hospitality business mm-hmm. he's like we're here to take care of people yeah. and if we build great relationships then uh, we'll get to do we'll get to do great work with them yeah. his name's Dustin Evans but uh, nice. um, so yeah I, I have to remind people that like we're here to serve that's great who would you be most excited to learn was a fan of what you're doing 
Tom York, Radiohead. Nice. Because I, th- I think we actually have a chance of Radiohead being a fan of us at some point, because I, I think our brand is like more kind of like middle-of-the-road pop mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. Um, but I think that he uh, would like like the service side of it and like the, the activism side of what we do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think Tom York, because he's known as like a very critical person and I love his music. So mm. if, yeah, if Tom York liked what we were doing, that'd be tight. That's cool. What's your favorite city to travel to? Home, Bend, Oregon. Okay. Yeah, my parents live in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. They've lived there ever since my brother finished college a couple of years ago. It's not only, it's, it's home and it's also it's an incredible place. Like anything you'd want to do outside is there. Yeah. My dog's there. Nice. Um, yeah, Bend, Oregon. That's cool. So I noticed you have great books uh, all around you. I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey and, and some of these others. Um, what's the last great book you read? Actually, here's a good one, uh, just because it, it just popped in my head. It's, and it's a bit of a surprising one. It's, I feel like not that many people have heard of it. Mm. But do you, do you know Ken Cragen, who that is? No. Ken Cragen is like legendary music manager, had one of the biggest entertainment manager companies in the 80s. Okay. Like Lionel Richie, um, the Bee Gees. Like yeah. So many bands. Kenny Rogers. Um, and he's he's the guy behind We Are the World and Hands Across America. Like, nice. You know, these massive pop culture humanitarian moments. Yeah. And so he's an amazing guy. He's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for causes. And um, I've you know been lucky enough to like be a friend of his and like, for him to be kind of a mentor of mine. And uh, he wrote a book um, called uh, "Life is a Contact Sport," cool. and so much like just like practical knowledge in that book. Yeah. And then on top of that, knowing Ken personally, knowing that all the things in that book he just talks about endlessly, yeah. it was like a pretty powerful thing. Nice. Um, so yeah, life is a contact sport, and I love sports analogies. So. I'm gonna read that. Yeah. That's awesome. I, what, I, have, I have a copy upstairs. I'll give it to you. Cool. Yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Probably something like really cheesy and bad because it's like you're at yeah. a hotel on the road and <laughs> it comes on. It always is. Um, yeah, I love. I don't know. Like I've seen Finding Nemo quite a few times. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm so. There's actually asked things that I want to be better at. I, I have some friends that just have such a good memory for remembering like book titles and remembering lines from movies and things like that. Uh-huh. I am not that guy. No. I'll, I'll, I've stumbled through like ten quotes in this interview. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say that like. I, I love to have a, a better memory for those things. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think I think I've watched Finding Nemo a fair amount of times. Okay. <laughs> um, and then last one is uh, your favorite DJ or live show you've ever seen. Can I give a few answers? Yeah. Um, Arcade Fire, hundred percent. Like they're probably my favorite band, and the song Tunnels is my favorite song ever. Cool. And uh, and so seeing them live was incredible I've seen them live a few times have you seen them no yeah they're they're insane it's like a they're they're just such a unique experience and it's yeah. so powerful so like I love Arcade Fire um seeing Edward Sharp for the mm. first time where I had no idea who he was it ended up at a show where everyone knew all the words um that's cool and he, it's such like a feel-good vibe saw Rainbow Kitten Surprise this year um at Sasquatch and that was Unbelievable! They're like a relatively new band, but they just crushed it, and everyone was there. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the smallest stage at Sasquatch, and most of the time there's not that many people there. But the, sure, uh, the only other time I'd seen that many people there was like before Hosier blew up. I saw him like kind of before he took his rise, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen him twice. I've seen him at Sasquatch, and I've seen him at Winston House. Nice. Um, and uh, so yeah, Rainbow Kitten Surprise is amazing. I saw them there, and the last one is Twenty One Pilots. Oh, cool! That was. I probably love that feeling. That was like the sickest show I've ever been to. Yeah. And that was this year as well because I, I don't listen to them that much, but it, it their music's amazing actually. Mm. Like I, I get, like I feel like a lot of people like to hate on them for whatever reason. I don't know why, but um, they, they, the way they like mix like like glam pop and like rapping and reggae. And the songs are just so catchy, and it's two yeah. dudes, and it's so entertaining. And yeah. they seem like amazing people. Like, I, I, they're people I would like love to have involved in Winston House. Like, nice. like, they seem like the right vibe. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for doing this, man. This was uh, eye-opening, a lot of great lessons. I appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank Good you. Stuff. I appreciate it. 
Yo, that was Corey McGuire, founder of Winston House. I hope you enjoyed that. I really like talking to Corey. He's a good dude. He's building a great brand. Make sure you follow along um, on his progress. Make sure you stay in touch with Rebel Radio. Hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, Facebook. You can check our YouTube page. And uh, most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>